Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Slice of Film podcast, where today we're going to be taking a slice out of Driving Miss Daisy. I'm your host, Katie Gustrap, and with me today I have Landon Bellman, who was so kind to come back after I lost the recording of the first time we got this episode done. So, Landon, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Um, I mean, I was happy to come back because... Number one, driving Miss Daisy. Number two, driving Miss Daisy. And number three, driving Miss Daisy. So it was a win win. It's <laughs> um, always, it's good to talk to you. So I'm, I'm super glad you're here. Um, Thank you for having me. I, you know, like I said, it's, it's always good to talk about my favorite film. <laughs> and some people are like, why is that your favorite film? I'm like, because it's driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today we're just going to kind of jump straight into it, but before we hit the review of Driving Miss Daisy, I do want to just kind of hit all the high points. We are part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance Podcast Network. Find that network on Twitter, at G-U-A Pod Network. Um, You can find this podcast at Slice of Film 1 on Twitter as well. Uh, We've got a podcast every day of the week. We've got... Uh, Marvel and DC, Monday and Tuesday, respectively. We've got our comics podcast, World's Finest True Believers, on Wednesdays. And on Thursdays, of course, you can find me every week. Uh, Bi-weekly is this podcast. And then the opposite week is my podcast, Star Wars Alliance. Uh, And then on Fridays, you have our animation show uh, with Greg and Travis. Every show is hosted by a great group of people. so I'm really excited. If if there's something else that interests you on this, you can find us every day here of the week. So yeah, go check us out. I'll leave all the links in the description box below. Um, Landon, why don't you go ahead and say where they can find you on the social medias? I am on Twitter at the Bellman. That's B E A L L because my ancestors couldn't spell. <laughs> um, I'm also at Storybank HQ on Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Storybake. Uh, Storybake is transitioning into uh, being kind of a podcast uh, slowly. Uh, current events in the world have kind of slowed that project down a little bit, but it is coming eventually. Uh, so if you want to keep in touch with that, check out the, the YouTube channel, Storybake. 
Um, and I'm also on Instagram at StoryBake, and the website is StoryBake.net. Make sure y'all go check those out because he does a really great job interpreting stories. He did a lot of great things with Star Wars in particular. So always my favorite topic to discuss. But today, Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, Landon, why don't you give us a little summary on the film just so people know what we're talking about. Cool. So, uh, Driving Miss Daisy is a Academy Award-winning film about a lady who she basically crashes her car and she can no longer drive, so she needs a chauffeur. Her son hires a chauffeur uh, named Hoke, and she and Hoke clash. Um, it takes place during the Civil Rights era, and Miss uh, Miss Daisy is a Jewish woman, so she fancies herself as not prejudice, and that's where a lot of the conflict between her and Hope come from. The other conflict comes from age and the fact that they are both people who are advanced in years. Uh, so she fancies herself as somebody who doesn't need a chauffeur. Uh, Hope fancies herself as someone who just needs a job, needs her to cooperate. And you get this back and forth between them. And over time, uh, you know, their relationship matures and develops. Uh, they develop a friendship for each other. And uh, they also start to confront their biases with each other. And it's just a, it's a very beautiful and well thought out story. Uh, it's not, it's not a story that shies away from the atrocities of the era. Uh but it also, it's not the center stage either. The center stage is these two people and the world that they live in and how they navigate it. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's a wonderful film. Uh, people, I think, are very surprised whenever I tell them it's my favorite movie uh, because I'm I'm very much a sci-fi guy. I like Star, Star Trek. Uh, I do like Star Wars, but I'm very much a Star Trek guy. Uh, uh, I, I like, you know, High science fiction, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Joseph Kaczynski, uh, and when I tell people, oh, Drive Miss Daisy, I think it takes people a second to really get that I'm serious. Uh, but that film, I grew up with it, and it just, it still speaks to me in so many ways, and I I think it's a wonderful film. Yeah, it definitely is, and it talks a lot about just like, the focus is the relationship between the two and it's really interesting to see it grow kind of between not between but along the timeline of i think it's what 25 years yeah somewhere yeah. in that range so and it's just you see her go from this brusque old lady and she's still brusque at the end of it but like she calls him her her best friend and everything oh before we get any further, we will be talking about spoilers. So just just keep that in mind, guys. So if you haven't seen the movie, go see it. Or if you want to keep listening, keep listening. But definitely just be forewarned. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, no, and I thought uh, Jessica, Jessica Tandy and uh, Morgan Freeman do a great job in this role. And... When we talked about it originally, I didn't know that there was like a play involved. So, like, this is based on a play. Is that correct? Yeah. So the original Drive and Miss Daisy, uh, 
Alfred Uri's the the gentleman who wrote it. Uh, he wrote it as a stage play, and that's how it existed for years. Uh, and and if you've ever seen clips of a production, like there's a there's a popular one that PBS did, and it's got James Earl Jones and uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Murder she wrote Mrs. Potts. Um, oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Her name is escaping oh. me. Uh, well, now that's just embarrassing. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, <laughs> uh, they they did a version for PBS, and Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, yes. I don't know why I couldn't think of her last name. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, James Earl Jones and Angela Lansbury, they uh, they did this version for PBS and something that people will notice in that and most stage productions is that they use very minimal sets. They don't use lots of sets. It's mostly just the actors on the stage doing the work. Mm-hmm. And the movie's very much the same way. Uh, yes, there are sets because the sets are necessary for the style of a film, but the sets aren't really, they're not center stage. They, they kind of, are used to reflect the passage of time. Um, like over time, the car, the car that Hoke drives changes to a newer mm-hmm. version. Uh, the house gets older that Miss Daisy lives in. Their TV upgrades to a color TV. It little subtle things along the ways uh, that don't happen so much in the stage version, but really. I feel like when they adapted it to film, they really allowed the medium of film to make the movie what it is. Uh, because if it was just people talking, it'd be a boring movie. Uh, yeah. But it, it really feels like a vibrant film. And Hans Zimmer actually did the score for this movie. That That's what I just realized. It's It's something that's quite out of his usual norm, I would think. And granted, this movie's a lot older, so... That- this could have been his beginning and jumping into the sci-fi action world afterwards. But that's really interesting um, that he did the score for this. Yeah. I actually was reading about it and he did the entire score for driving Miss Daisy on his own with a keyboard. He didn't have a big orchestra, you know, behind him to score that film. And, And that's one reason I feel like it's very unique. Like it doesn't, the music doesn't really feel of the era. It just feels like its own thing. Mm-hmm. And it helps, it helps to tell the story. And I love soundtracks that do that. Yeah, it, it definitely remains kind of in the background, but helps progress the story. Um, you talked about the costume design and like the age. One thing I noticed when I first watched this movie is like, it's really, it, if you're, focused on the two actors it can be hard like i didn't realize the time was actually passing in the years mark until probably the martin luther king jr uh speech scene um because it's just like i was so focused on the conversation between um hoke and miss daisy like i i and I should have been paying more attention to the scene, but when you look back at it, yeah, you can definitely tell with the newer cars and everything um, that time's changing. Um, and then obviously Bully, Bully's hair changes every 
time he's in the scene. Yeah, his his hair changes. His his face gets older because he's the younger one, so he's actually aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, physic- like visibly aging. Uh, the other two are they're already older, so it's subtle changes. Like over time, uh, Mistazy's hair gets a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, and Hoke he gets a little bit grayer, and his glasses, uh, the glasses lenses get a little bit thicker. Um, so it, it's little subtle changes over time as they're aging. Mm-hmm. Um, because when it starts out, I mean, Hoke's already, they kind of imply that he's already like in his sixties. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm looking at. It says, um, he's, ah, uh, gosh. Uh, yeah. It was like early sixties. Yeah. And so Miss Daisy is probably about maybe a couple years older than him or something. It's a 72. For okay. her, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's it's also nice, like people people talk about, uh, you know, when you advance in age, and people talk about ageism and stuff like that. This is a movie that doesn't really care about that. Like this movie says, hey, there's there's stories to tell about people who are aging, and it it's nice to watch how. Yes, their opinions don't really change. You know, that's something that happens as you get older. Your opinions don't change as much. Um, and I think that in in a normal in a normal movie that wasn't of this type of structure, the characters would have more dramatic character changes. Mm-hmm. But really, the villain of the movie is racism. It's the culture of the yeah. time they live in. So. They're not, they're not like at enmity with each other. They're at enmity with the culture they live in, and so it's very gradual changes over time. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Miss Daisy doesn't fancy herself to be prejudiced because she's Jewish, but then it turns out she is, uh, and it's because of the culture that she lives in, and she doesn't realize that. You know, there's prejudice against her because she's Jewish until her church is bombed. Yeah. Uh, and then Hoke uh, has to see, you know, coming into her home every day, the way that she just kind of snaps at him all the time. Um, mm-hmm. He has to see, you know, his friends and the people in his circles, the way that they react to Miss Daisy and her family. Uh, there's one scene where Idella passes and they go to the, the church. And oh. it, it's Hook's church. And Miss Daisy, uh, uh, Bully, and his wife, they're the only white people in the entire building. Yep. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's, little, it's little things like that that start telling the story of how these two characters navigated that world and then grew to mutually respect each other. And Mm -hmm. like at the end of the film, Miss Daisy tells Hoke that he's her best friend because after a certain point, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't just her chauffeur. He was the kind of person who they both had each other's back. You know, she taught him how to read he drove her around. Um, and yes, you know, Hoke was paid to do that, but she wasn't paying him to do that. Yeah. Uh, 
And and I think that's something that some people get hung up on with the film is like, oh, well, he was actually paid to do it. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't paid by her. <laughs> um, yeah. It, and that's kind of the point of contention that starts off the film is like that bully pays Hope to do it. And Miss Daisy's like, no, no, I can do this. Like, I don't need anyone to do it. And obviously she has, she, she, ed, she finally accedes to the agreement, but ultimately it was, I lost my train of thought already. Dang. <laughs> well, it's a, it is a, it's definitely a point of contention because from the get go, she really hates that her son is paying somebody else to be at her house. She hates it. And even later on in the film, it's kind of a point of contention because uh, it comes up, you know, how much he's paying Hoke and she thinks that it's not enough. Or at one point she thinks it's too much. And then at another point she thinks it's not enough. Um, Yeah. So it, it, the fact that Hoke is being paid to be her chauffeur uh has is is always kind of like this point of contention for her uh because she doesn't feel like she needs to have a chauffeur paid for her yeah and i i think you can this this film's even more applicable right now with what's going on but you kind of just see the inherent the inherent bias that kind of creeps in you said you said the racism was just kind of ingrained in the culture and i think this is a perfect film to watch for someone who quite doesn't understand that and so can look at it through the eyes of of someone else um i mean you see she she doesn't claim herself to be to be racist but then calls him out for stealing a can of tuna and oh yeah oh the the can of salmon scene i I love that that's that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole film because it's built up to be so dramatic. And then Bula's like, you called me over here for a 33 cent can of salmon. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll, I'll write you a check, buy you a whole pantry full of, can- full of salmon. Um, and she's like, it's not, th-. she's like, I don't care about that. It, that's not the point. And then Hoka comes in and he's bought a can of salmon for her mm-hmm. and Bully just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I love that so much. But stuff because, like that, you know. Yeah, go it, ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, like you said, that is that's the that's the built-in prejudice where she's just looking for things to get rid mm-hmm. of him. Yeah. And then so like the trip to Alabama when she kind of realizes that I think it's the cop scene. Uh, and she doesn't she doesn't necessarily understand it. I think that's kind of the turning point in the film where she realizes that okay, yes. I it, along with the synagogue, but just the trip to Alabama is kind of the turning point where they reach they reach the barrier of driver and rider and kind of start to become more friends from there. Uh would you I definitely agree with that. And you know, the cop stop, uh, I really feel like that's used in the film to show that the the prejudice across the South is different in different places. 
Um, yeah. At least in that era, uh, because, uh, you know, Georgia, that area of Georgia was a little more modernized. Uh, you had mm-hmm. people from the North and the South who both worked there. Uh, and it was just, it, it was, it was a little less segregated, but then you start moving into Mississippi, Alabama. It's a very different, it's a very, uh, more in your face racism. And that's what you saw during the, the traffic stop. And also when they stopped at the one place that didn't have a college restroom mm-hmm. and it was kind of implied, like it was like a KKK meeting place. Yeah. Um, so Hoke is driving and he's just like, I got to go make water. And she's like, well, you can stop somewhere else. And and he's like, no, 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 I can't. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, yes, you can. And he's, he he starts acting like he's going to keep going. He's like, he's like, no, he's like, I, he's like, I'm a grown man. And he pulls Mm -hmm. over and he goes behind the sign and she's scared. She finds herself scared being alone at night in the middle of Alabama. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see, you see two things there. Number one, she's scared. Number two, Hoke is just like, I'm not, I'm not going to take your lip over this. Yeah. He's like, I know what I have to deal with in, in this world. He's like, I'm going to go. I didn't say one of it. <laughs> yeah. I, no, he's, he's like, you know, he might as well have said, I, I know what I have to deal with every day. I'm going, you know, to relieve myself. Yeah. And, and it's sad. It's sad that that's the world that existed. And people talk about this movie like it's a feel-good movie, and there are feel-good parts of it. There's parts that make you laugh. There's parts that are enjoyable. But it's more a movie that's supposed to make you feel and think. It's not feel-good in the, in the respect of, oh, I feel so warm and fuzzy when it's over. Uh, it's, a, it's a feeling that makes you sad that that's the world that existed, and a world that even in the modern day today, we never fully took care of and dealt with. Yeah. And, you know, the, the temple bombing is one example. Um, even little things like at the beginning of the movie, when hoax first introduced and, um, he knows Oscar caught in the elevator. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters, I don't remember which one of them it is, but one of them kind of acts like, Oh, you're black, so you know every other black person. Yeah. And it's just, it's the little, little tiny things that this story and this movie seeks to capture with racism. It It's not overt. And I think that's why some people don't quite get Driving Miss Daisy, because they're used to movies like Selma. Selma is a fantastic film, and it's it deals with overt racism. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, a movie that deals with overt racism. Driving Miss Daisy doesn't deal with the overt. It deals with everyday racism. Yeah, it deals with the little ingrained parts. And I think Hoke as a character kind of represents a lot of things, especially with the patience he takes to to kind of wean, not necessarily wean Miss Daisy off of racism, but just kind of in get her to think differently about it. Yeah. And, and it's not like he, he forces her. Um, it's more like 
the little subtle things like he he suggests at one point that you know it's it's not bad for her to act like she has money but she's immediately offended because she feels like uh that makes her look rich but to him you know coming from not a lot she kind of is rich yeah um uh, and so there's there's a little bit of a push push back there uh and then also like later in the movie you see where they they clash a little bit over as Miss Daisy's views are starting to change uh, and she wants to go to this Martin Luther King speech and she wants Hoke to go with her, but she won't even ask him because she just assumes, mm-hmm. oh, you're black, you'll go with me. Uh, it's, again, the, the, film, the film is very good with dealing with the little everyday racism that we don't take the time to look at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's why, as a kid, the movie really spoke to me. Like I, I really watched the movie and I enjoyed it because they have good banter. And then as I got a little bit older, and and I watched it all through my youth. It wasn't just a one time thing. But as I got a little bit older, I really got to see the genius behind this movie. Uh, and again, that's just yet another reason why it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah i it definitely is one that you want to kind of go back and watch multiple times to really pick up on everything um and miss daisy like she she says in one scene i don't remember which one um but this is something like i i took a note on specifically that she says things have changed and then hoke responds like no not that not that much and so it's like it, it it takes the look of the race relations in the South and through the years. And it says, okay, from my perspective, things have changed, but from this other perspective, things haven't changed that much. And I mean, clearly they haven't based on what's happening today. Right. Well, I mean the, on the plus side, things are better than they were uh, during the civil rights era. I'll give it that. Yes. Things are better, but but it, but like you're saying, you know, it, it's, (laughs) It's telling because you see little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the ways that we we talk about people and not immediately presume their humanity. It's the way yeah. that that we presume things about people because of w- how they look and where we think they came from, and not by talking to them and seeing you know how how they think and how they feel and where they grew up and. Uh, it, it it's it's something we all do. We all have uh, inherent biases. We have biases about people who look like us and people who don't look like us. And uh, you know the fa- the fact that there is still a world here that we live in where people have to be concerned when they are stopped by the police, and uh, people have to be concerned when they go out to the store with their families because they don't know what'll happen. Driving Miss Daisy is a, it is a movie that shows those little things just inserted here and there, just little things. Uh, The cop stop is one example, but it, it gives you time to think about yourself. And you know, these are just two people and for them, the outcome ended well. But the world they lived in 
kind of like you said, it really didn't change all that much. You know, they made it through the civil rights era throughout the film, but it didn't change all that much the world around them. What changed was them. Yeah. Uh, and I think ultimately for the culture we live in now, we can't count on the culture to change. We have to change ourselves. And I, I think that's one thing, especially looking back on this film, like from the first time I watched it, one of the things I've always said is that you can't, you can't untrain bad learnings from when you grew up. Like people are taught to be racist and like, especially the bad ones, people are taught like certain things when they grow up. But I think this movie inherently represents something that says, okay, you can unlearn those things to an extent. Um, and so that definitely has changed my way of saying, okay, maybe you can, maybe you can speak to these people, but you have to come through it with good intentions. Like hope never had any, how do I want to, <laughs> uh, hope to me never seemed like he, the patience he showed made it seem, God, what's the right word? <laughs> it's more his personality. It's not really yeah. that he's he's intentionally showing patience to Miss Daisy in particular. Yeah. It's more his personality. It's like his negotiating tactic. Yeah, you you have to come through it with that same tactic. Like it's Yeah. And different <laughs> actors play that differently too. Uh James Earl Jones in, in the version he did with Angela Lansbury. James Earl Jones plays Hoke a little more confrontational. Uh, so it, there's a scene in the movie and in the play where Hoke gets a better job offer. Uh, to yeah. Drive for a, a, I believe it's a judge's wife. If I'm like, if, if, if I'm not. Mistaken. Yeah. They went to a party or something. And yeah. So he got a really good job offer much better than he already had. He goes to, uh, he goes to bully about it and he's, telling him about the mount and he's just he's kind of uh you know get really with him like in in the movie morgan freeman's just kind of soft-spoken about it kind of chill about it but james earl jones is just like very matter of fact confrontational he's like yes this is how much you know i'm being offered and so they start negotiating price well he gets a better price from Bully for the same job to keep with the to keep driving miss daisy and once he's done being confrontational, he just kind of laughs about it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a role that that gives you flexibility as an actor. But even like you said, you know, there's still that patience about him. He has a level of patience to him, even if somebody's playing him as a confrontational uh, fella. And you know, in in our in our world that we live in right now. Um, I've used this as a recent example. I didn't know until I was about 16 years old that the Confederate flag had anything to do with anything racist or overtly racist. I grew up... Same. Yeah, I grew up in in East Tennessee, uh, a part of Tennessee that stayed in the Union during the Civil War. So everybody around here just said it's part of... You know, it's a symbol of the South is usually what people would say. Um, And I had no idea. And I was confronted about as a teenager by somebody from Georgia 
And as soon as I was confronted about it, I was like, mm, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I was taught. And then I started listening to people. I started talking to more people and started reading on the history of that symbol. And that symbol is not just a symbol of the South. That symbol is a symbol of overt racism towards one group of people. Yeah. And those are the ways we change. Those are the ways we say, hey, you know what? That was wrong. I was taught wrong when I was younger. I, I learned this when I was younger, but I'm an adult now. I'm, I can think for myself, and, and I have the capacity to learn and change. And, you know, it, it's always good to keep that in mind about other people because right now we are living in a time where we, we want people to change, but the natural human tendency is to, to feel like, you know, someone's calling you out or somebody's attacking you and driving Miss Daisy shows. I feel like the ways that people gradually change over time and kind of some of the right ways to go about that. Yeah. And it, people change over the course of years. Like, I know I'm not the same person I was when I first got on Twitter in high school. Like I I'm a year removed from college right now. Like I can guarantee you I'm not the same person I was then. Like, and especially with how much cancel culture plays into effect here. I think you've driving Miss Daisy definitely shows you've got to give people a chance to grow. And sometimes that takes a long time. But in other cases, sometimes it can take a span of months. It can take a span of a week where I, I thought very differently in May where I think now based on what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like I've done more research. I've learned. I I would not have said the same things that I'm, I'm I've said about this movie if at the beginning of May. <laughs> like yeah. I, it definitely can cause you to think differently and do your own research, but sometimes that can be a matter of having just a positive person in your life that says, maybe you should think about this a different way. And I think that's the best representative quality here is that Hook doesn't overtly say, no, this has to change. He just allows it to change. So, And I, and what I've learned from talking to other people listening to other people is if you really want if you really want in the modern world to get to know how somebody is you know and i i mean anybody from from any group uh it doesn't necessarily have to be a racial group it can be any person from any walk of life if you want to get to know somebody and you want to get to judge them for who they are and not some idea of who they are you got to talk to those people you got to engage with those people and you got to be willing to say when you were wrong about something with those people. Because that's the, the only way to learn and the only way to change is to, is to meet people where they are and grow and love people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and I also realized that social media doesn't represent everyone on the planet. <laughs> so that's one thing that I've had to... Ha- had to have a good think about is that when I when I find someone on social media like 
uh, like, I mean, Landon, you and I have never met in person, Mm -hmm. but like, you don't learn about people from their social media posts. You learn about them by talking to them, like you said. So sometimes you just have to take that conversation away from social media and say, Hey, like, let's, let, let's have a call. Let's have a text chat or something that pulls it away from a public eye because sometimes people act differently in the public eye and maybe that's not the best thing, but I I think definitely Miss Daisy acts a lot different in her house in the later parts of the movie than she does in public. And Mm -hmm. it definitely takes that Martin Luther King Jr. speech to make her realize that. Yeah. Well, and you very much see that even, even in the earlier parts of the film, uh, she kind of treats Idella just like, you know, an underling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she kind of approaches her relationship with Hoke the same way. And her, her relationship with Idella doesn't change. It's, it's static through the whole film. Uh, after she dies, though, she's, I think she's forced to sort of re-examine her relationship with Hoke. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives her a chance to start seeing, you know, places she can change. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, with the Martin Luther King speech, the assumption that she started out with is that Hoke would go with her uh, because he is black. You know, he was going to see a prominent black speaker. But Hoke wouldn't have none of that. He was very offended by the fact that she wouldn't ask. And rightfully so. Because that that level of assumption would be like someone assuming that, you know, I don't know, that I want biscuits and gravy and pancakes and bacon because I'm a white guy from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's basically the same level of assumption. And, yep. you know, maybe I wanted a hamburger. Maybe I wanted broccoli casserole. Uh, <laughs> so, broccoli casserole, man! <laughs> it, exactly. You know, it, and and so it's it's just, it's the little things. And again, I, I, I could, I could talk about this movie for hours, but <laughs> I feel like the, the true sheer brilliance of Drive, Drive Miss Daisy is the fact that it presents people and it presents the flaws that people have where we assume things about people when we shouldn't and why that's wrong and why so much of what the racism is that we see today is because we don't talk to people. We don't allow we don't allow ourselves the capacity to understand somebody who looks different than us or lives a little bit different than us or has a different home life than us. We have, Mm -hmm. we have a very, and I think some of this is human. We have the tendency to congregate to people just like us, the way they think, the way they act, the way they talk, uh, the foods they eat, what they drive, how much money they have. And because racism is something that it, it was, you know, it was an economic crisis for people, a health crisis for people, uh, and still is, that almost created subcultures of people. Yeah. And we didn't take the time as a culture to fix those things and then 
associate with people who ultimately are just like us. And, you know, nowadays, again, you know, things are, things are better, but the thing about life is that if something's not quite where it should be, you know, we're all adults. We can see that and and we're seeing that in our culture now. And, you know, the goal is for things to change and things to be better and for, you know, to be a revolution because I want to live in a world where my black friends and brothers and sisters are able to go through a drive-thru at night and not have to worry if they're going to be pulled over by a cop because yeah. I'm able to do that and I want that same world for them too. Yeah. That got Brandon, deep all of a sudden. <laughs> it did. And and I feel the same way as you, but you're just you're just a lot more eloquent than I will ever be. <laughs> so, I uh, I don't know. Do you have another I know you said the can of salmon scene was one of your favorites. Do you have another favorite scene in this? Uh second favorite scene? Wow, that's that's hard. Um <laughs> all of them? <laughs> I Okay, if I had to pick maybe three scenes, uh, can of salmon scene for sure. Um, I like the scene. Oh, I gotta think. This is hard. Oh, I've actually stumped him. Uh, yeah, it's because new. I like them all. I mean, <laughs> I can I can pretty much quote Driving Miss Daisy from beginning to end. Uh, I really like the scene where Idella passes because. Well, I, it's kind of like a sequence. It's not really one scene, but it's a it's a sequence where you get to see like how all the characters are reacting. Uh, I really love the scene where Hoke takes Miss Daisy to the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, that's a that's another good one. I forgot about like just seeing the just that's another good one where her reaction changes. Like he goes and like uses the phone call to. St- to tell Bully, yeah. oh, I actually got her in a car. I, lo- and... I love that. He 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 goes over. Well, first of all, Miss Daisy complains. You know, yeah. first thing complains because she doesn't think he's going the right way. Backseat pulls... driver. Yeah, yeah, she's she's the ultimate backseat driver. <laughs> um, but she, you know, he gets her there faster than she would have gotten her there. Pulls up to the door, lets her out, and um. Uh, Hoke goes over to the phone booth and gives uh, Bully a call, and he's like, "He's like, yeah, finally got her out." And he's like, <laughs> "Only took me six days. Same number <laughs> of days it took the Lord to make the world." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I, that scene is awesome, and also just the another good example of the scenery too. Uh, the side building of of the Piggly Wiggly they redid that facade for the movie so you know those colors on I think it's a Coca-Cola banner Mm -hmm. um, it's just nice and vibrant and it makes you feel like you're back in that time yeah Uh, and uh, that scene yeah I'd, I'd see those I'd say those three scenes are probably top three cool maybe Maybe top three. I I also like the one where they're at the cemetery, uh, and Miss Daisy's trying to point Hoke over to the Bower headstone. 
and mm-hmm. he has to admit that he can't read. Yeah. Uh, it's a very vulnerable scene for both of them. Uh, and I really like the one where Hoke goes and gets Miss Daisy coffee. Yeah. From Krispy Kreme during the blizzard. Mm-hmm. So. And she's like, well, you didn't have to do this. Yeah. Then Bully calls and is worried about her and is shocked that Hoke got over there to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say and those it... I'd say those are, you know, among my top scenes. But that's already we're already up to like what, six or seven scenes? <laughs> this is the problem. Yeah. I like the whole film. I there's not a bad <laughs> scene in the movie. That that's always a good thing though. It is. Um, so this film, I'm, I'm looking this up. It had a pretty good critical reaction. Um, it has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. It had nine Academy Award nominations and achieved the following distinctions in Oscar history. It is the only film based on a off-Broadway production ever to win Best Picture. Jessica Tandy was the oldest winner to win Best Actress. Uh, It is the first Best Picture winner since 1932 to not also receive a Best Director nomination. Um, It would be the last Best Picture winner to be rated PG. Yeah, and I'm one of those people... I don't really feel like it did deserve a best director nomination. It's not, it's not a director centric film. It's uh, definitely not. I do feel like uh, Morgan Freeman deserved best actor. Yeah, he was nominated. Uh, I believe he definitely deserved that, but I can also understand why he didn't get it. Cause there was some competition that year. Yeah. Uh, the story itself, it's watertight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one reason why the there's so many good scenes because it is watertight from start to finish. Yeah, it won the best screenplay based on material from another medium. So that's it. Yeah, that's definitely an indication. Um, but I would agree. It, it It's a very watertight script. Um, it knows what it's doing. It knows what it has to take. The other thing that it does really well is I think one, the makeup's fantastic. And then the cinematography, it definitely makes it feel not necessarily like an older film, but like it makes, it's a comforting look to the cinematography, like the colors and everything in it. It's all very good. Yeah, it's it's got a very warm tone. Uh, it feels like you're constantly in the sunshine. And the film grain, this is one film where the film grain really makes it pop this film would not be the same if it was shot on digital yeah definitely and i'm not one of those people who's a digital to film purist but there are certain films that are better because they're on film and driving miss daisy is one of them for sure yeah was there anything else you'd like to touch on like uh if if I wanted to keep touching on driving Miss Daisy, I'd be here for three <laughs> hours. 
I've got to go move my grass though. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, we will take a quick break for an ad. Um, unfortunately we don't get to pick who the ad person is or how loud it is. So listener, just be prepared. Um, Listener discretion is advised. Not necessary discretion, but just just turn down the volume on your headphones, y'all. <laughs> we appreciate the support, and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for listening to Idea. Um, I appreciate the support. Uh and so now we're going to transition to the last portion of the show. What three films have you watched recently and would you recommend or not? Um, we do not spoil these films. Uh, so if you haven't seen one of them, you should not have to feel like you have to skip ahead or anything. So um, with that, Landon, lead us off. All right. Uh, so the three most recent films I've seen, I'm going to start with the oldest i've seen on all the way up to the newest uh, in in sequence of when i saw them not when they were made <laughs> um, uh so third most recent film i saw was steel magnolias which i hadn't seen in quite a while but my wife really loves that film it's in her top five so we cracked it out and it was really good uh it had been plenty of years since I'd seen it, but Julia Roberts is great in it. Uh, Dolly Parton's great in it. Um, it's got a, it's very got a, it's, it's got a very much, um, what's the term? Star-studded cast. Um, <laughs> it's got a star-studded cast and it's pretty good. So if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, give it a check out again. Uh, I also saw Zombieland Double Tap, which was probably a little bit more violent than I expected. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting film. Well, the first one's violent, and you know it's 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 a good film. I just I guess I didn't think that the second one would be more violent, but it was, <laughs> and it's also great. Uh, it's really funny, and I liked it almost as much as the first one. So bravo. Uh, Ruben Fletcher, director of Venom, you know, can't go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then uh, the most recent film I saw was Grease. Uh, And it is the word. Uh, I I had only ever seen it one other time when I was younger. The other times I had tuned in was when I was listening to the soundtrack. But uh, it was great. We got to go to a drive-in theater which I know, shocker. <laughs> but uh, it was nice to be able to go to the theater again and see a movie on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the movie Grease is a little bit corny, just a little bit by today's standards, but that also gives it a lot of charm. So I would definitely recommend. And I don't remember, did you say you recommend Steel Magnolias? 
Yes, I recommend all three. All three of them are Ooh. recommends. They're they're good films. I haven't seen Steel Magnolias, so maybe I'll have to put that on my list. Um, so my three films that I have seen most recently. Um, number one is Logan, uh, directed by James Mangold. It's the last movie we see Patrick Stewart and um, God Hugh Jackman. I was like, man, I love this guy, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, and that's not a spoiler because it was revealed beforehand. But it's a great movie. Uh, it makes me even more excited to see James Mangold direct Indiana Jones 5. Um, definitely recommend, though you do need a lot of background to see this one, I feel like. And especially to have the emotional attachment. Um, so definitely 10 out of 10 would recommend... Um, the next one on my list is The Rise of Skywalker, the controversial ending to the Skywalker saga. Um, number one, I, I definitely think this is a good film. I don't think it... it you, well, uh, I, I, I will leave the link to several descriptions. Uh, I did two reviews on this and a podcast on this where you can hear my full thoughts. But I love this movie. I think it does a lot of great work in it. Um, Directed by J.J. Abrams. So, uh, I would recommend only if you're in a Star Wars mood, though. And it does require a lot of background context. Um, the latest one I've seen is Artemis Fowl, which is on Disney Plus right now. Um, Drive Skywalker is also on Disney Plus. But Artemis Fowl... Eh! Um, and... That, that's really the only good thing I can say about it. Um, I think if you've got kids, this would be a great one to turn on and let them watch. Um, thinking from that context, because this this one's based on a book from 2001. And it, it does a lot of good things. It's not the worst book to film adaptation I've ever seen. Is it the best, though? No. So, it's... Eh, it it kind of depends on if you've got kids or not. I think if you've got kids, it's a great movie to turn on and watch. Um, if it's just you though, or just a group of adults, uh, there's definitely a lot of better things you can see on Disney Plus right now. So, yeah, don't show any of these movies to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Grandpappy Palps. I don't know. I guess you could show Grandpappy Palps to kids. He would probably <laughs> scare them to death. But um, aside from that, yeah, don't show any of these movies to kids. <laughs> yeah. Show your kids Driving Miss Daisy instead. Yes, definitely. Um, I think you could show them Zombieland 1. I don't know about Zombieland 2. You could maybe show them the TV edit to Zombieland 1, yeah. That's true. That's true. I forget that... The- you have to edit things for TV. I've I've been without cable for so long. <laughs> yeah the um, the OG cut it's it's definitely R rated, but it's mostly just language and a little bit of mm-hmm. violence. Uh, so you could you could probably show the first Zombieland to kids if you weren't too, yeah if you weren't too worried about it. The second one is not for kids <laughs> at all. No. Not even no. <laughs> um. So I think that's all we have for today. Or did you have something else? Sorry. No, that's that's pretty much all I had. 
Uh, we covered a lot of ground, and I know I talked a lot, but thank you for having me on. Uh, I got on my soapbox a little bit, but, you know, recent political events have definitely made me feel things. So. Definitely, and, and like, I, I agree with a lot of stuff you said, and you've said it a lot better than I could have any day of the week. So thank you for coming on, because I know one thing that I've I've tried to do is I've tried to find the words to speak my opinion on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've just decided to just listen a lot more in, instead of just talking. And so I think based on what I've listened to, you've said a lot of good points and I agree with everything. So well, thank you and for I, being here. No, you're, you're welcome. And it was good <laughs> being here. And, you know, the only reason I feel like talking now, I, I spent a good three weeks, I guess, two, three weeks, however long we're into this, uh, where I didn't say anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted other people to be heard first. Uh, and then yeah. finally I did speak up, because, at, you know, opinions change on the on the issue of racial equality and justice that's something where my opinion hasn't really changed uh the only thing Mm -hmm. that's changed for me is really just the level that we as a society have to confront it Um, yeah and i definitely feel like we as a society we we can't afford to just confront it the way we have before where we say it's wrong we have to confront it and say it's wrong here's what we're going to do about it yeah um and i i feel like a lot more people are starting to see that way and i think gradually we're going to start to see some change uh but you gotta gotta keep your foot on the gas can't can't let your foot off the gas until we start to see that so yeah i know my university my so we changed the honors college back in 1982 to calhoun honors college and Tillman Hall was changed from Old Main to Tillman Hall, I think around the same time. Um, but yesterday they changed Calhoun Honors College back to its original title of Clemson University Honors College. And they've requested from our General Assembly to be allowed to change Tillman Hall because it's protected under the Heritage Act right now, the name is. so. But it's kind of just reverting things back to the old names that they had. So it's a lot of good steps um, for my university in particular, but I hope we followed up with more. So yeah, well, and and like I said while we were talking about the movie, you know, it, I what I want is I want that world where everybody can live their lives the same way and not fear for their lives. You know, yep. it it you should be able to go out to any grocery store or any establishment you want and not have to second guess whether or not it's, it's going to be safe for you Yep. Um, beyond, you know, what everybody has to do normally. Um, you know, everybody has to, you know, wage, you know, is it safe to go out after 11 o'clock at night? You know, uh, yeah. the old, the old adage. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. I, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, if it's eight or nine, um, you shouldn't have 10, to worry about being out. No. Um, or, or regardless of what it is, you know, some, yeah. most of these incidences we hear in the news happen in broad daylight. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope we see the end of that because, um, uh, humanity's better than that. And, uh, our, 
you know, our brothers and sisters out there are uh, people who shouldn't have to worry. We're all Americans, and, you know, we need that better society. Yeah. So, on that note, why don't you tell us again where you can find us on social, where they can find you on social media, Landon? All right, you can find me on Twitter at kgillstrap13 <laughs> and at Slice of Film One. That's S L I C E because <laughs> uh, my cook couldn't spell. <laughs> <laughs> And you can also find me at the Guapod Network. <laughs> now, now tell us where they can really find you, Landon. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can really find me at the Bellman on Twitter. That's B-E-A-L-L. Um, and you can also find me at StoryBakeHQ on Twitter, StoryBake on Instagram, and on YouTube. And the website is StoryBake.net awesome you can find me on twitter at kgillstrap13 you can find this podcast on twitter as well at slice of film one um the geek ultimate alliance podcast network is at gua pod network on twitter as well um you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcatchers if we're not there then just let me know and we'll make it happen um so, and then you can also find us on YouTube. So, go make sure you listen. Um, if you'd like, give us a review. Um, let us know if, if there's anything we can improve on. Um, I take all constructive criticism very, very well. So, just, just let me know. Um, if, after this one goes live, we I will be posting a poll on the Slice of Film Twitter to say which movie you want me to hit next. Um, we have a couple options. We have Aliens. Um, Jurassic Park, uh, Back to the Future, and Terminator are going to be the options for episode four. So let me know which ones you want to see next. Um, If you want to come on for a movie talk, let's make it happen. Um, Slide into the slice of film DMs. Uh, But on that note, um, thanks for taking a slice out of Driving Miss Daisy with me and Landon and Have a good day or night, whatever time of day you're listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye, guys.